welcome to Grid Talks, your weekly RC podcast, with your hosts Russell Lee and Chris Bowden, bringing you the latest RC news and interviews from around the world. Sit back and enjoy as we talk RC cars. Hello and welcome to Grid Talk, your weekly RC racing podcast, with your hosts myself, Russell Lee, and of course the fantastic Chris Bowden. How you doing, Chris? I'm not bad, Rush, yeah. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. I've been out and about all week. I've hardly been in the factory. It's been pretty good. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, enough of me. Let's talk about the sponsors. I'm going to give a massive thank you to CMO Distribution and, of course, Schumacher Racing, the guys that keep us on air every week and, you know, mega involved in RC racing and, of course, um, RTR sides as well. So... What do you think, Chris? Should we just get a guest on and we can talk about what we haven't done at the end? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, right. Let me go and look in the Valley of Skype and see if I can find the world famous, the one and only, Alan O'Brien. And it looks like he's popped up. Magic of the internet. You there, Alan? I am. I am here. How are you? Excellent. I'm not bad, mate. Yourself? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Good to hear. I'm alright as well. That's well How are you, Ross? Um, you know what about <laughs> Cheers, dude. I'm alright. I'm alright. I'm alright. I always struggle to get these things started every week, but, but you know. Right. This is Alan O'Brien, ladies and gentlemen. He is a, a UK national racer and also a regional racer up in Scotland and racing for, for Schumacher RC in the UK. And I don't think you do much European stuff these days, do you? No, not at the moment. I, yeah. I did have some plans to do some, but yeah. for the US and stuff, it's kind of all been gone whole yeah. day. Yeah, no. so. we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. I'll make a note of that. So, let us know your story, mate, basically. I want to know how you got started in RC, where it started, going right the way through, you know, to how you ended up okay. racing nationals and stuff like that. Um, so, my dad... Um, has always been involved in building full-size stock cars that yeah. race on the ovals. Um, so as a family, we've always been into that. And uh, one of his friends got him into RC stock cars, eight-scale nitro. Yeah. So I used, used to go along there from when I was a kid and practice in between heats and finals from when I was like four years old and then got one car and started racing when I was seven. So started off in, in eight, eight stock scale cars. oval. Oh, yeah, cool. eight scale oval is where I started. That's mad. So sorry, basically, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to think how long I raced them for. Um, so I started them when I was seven, maybe five years of them, roughly. Yeah, five years of them. Um, went on to do ten scale touring cars. Um, got my first. Ended up with my first drive because the way it used to work was Craig Dresher was a shop rep yeah. for like CML, like one of the UK reps, and he used to travel around and he'd come and race at our club. And I beat him at our club, I think, and that got me my first drive with CML <laughs> until I basically I raced with Associated right through the whole time I raced through in cars. I never, I never switched. Yeah. And then as most, well, happens to quite a lot, as I got into my teens, you get distracted, drink, girls, stopped racing until I was about 24. Yeah. So I took a big break. And that is that is when I, the only reason I got into off-road, one of the guys that I used to battle with a lot in touring cars messaged me and was like, you need to get into off-road, I'm back doing it, you'd really like it, 
bought one of his old cars, raced it once, loved it, and just went out and bought a brand new car and everything after that. Yeah. That's basically how I got to this point. So with um, I remember I don't know who I was talking to you on a podcast or at the side of the track. You talked to me about the stock cars, and you were saying mm-hmm. that towards the end of that, wasn't there something about the engine? Someone was buying engines from America or yeah, and it, it just ruined it, got it destroyed stupid. the class. It, it, it did, it did, and it, even to this day, it's, it's never fully recovered. Like yeah. to put you in the picture, back then the limit of a world championship, European championship, was like ninety. 99 drivers I think it was and there was reserve lists of 100 200 drivers yeah now at their world championships they get 36 drivers now that's crazy so it, it killed the class like it really did um yeah basically what they were doing was you'd buy in the engines like you do from any manufacturer OS were still one of the most popular yeah but they were sending them to be like bored out and stuff in America so they're like sending them over getting them all machined blueprints and it was and, just yeah they basically just the boy that was doing it just won everything yeah like absolutely cleaned up um nothing against them they had a bit of money and they had the backing and they could afford to do it and they would they would spend days at the track like gallons and gallons and gallons of fuel like my dad was the one that used to sell all the fuel yeah and he he used to maybe sell you there's a there's a five liter fuel they didn't buy it in in a gallon they bought it like by the box (laughs) for practicing and stuff so like it it really did kill it because he just dominated everything nobody could get a look in and to be honest that's kind of as I faded out of it at that point anyway it was just one of those things I enjoyed as a kid but as you get older you start to find other interests and my dad was never one to push me if I didn't want to do it he just didn't push me so yeah so yeah I mean, I mean that sort of thing so with, with the car having more power is that because obviously with the stock car racing it's, it's easy to nudge people out of the way or is it literally just hit just the outside faster. and hit the just outside faster. and nail it yeah, yeah just yeah. faster just just easier to put in more laps that yeah. was it that was the advantage it gave wasn't even really for moving people it was just the car was just so fast yeah i mean we i think i believe back in the time like it maybe doesn't sound a lot now but that was what you're talking over 20 years ago i think their engines were 400 pound before they sent them away to get work done My. and we were racing a 99 pound engine mm. now my dad done similar he would bore out my engine he would get it machined here but it was nowhere to the sort of how far they were going with theirs yeah, so yeah. it was always hard to keep up with that I've got to be honest I didn't even know that was a class yeah it's still I'm a class mate. It's still, still, there's a, I've ma- never there's, even there's, seen it there's a massive track at um, Endor there's an 8 yeah, nitro yeah, track yeah. and there's two well, they've, they've got, got a 5th they've got, they've got, they've got the 8 scale the 5th scale and the 8 scale and I've, I've raced at that 8 scale one at many European I've raced my first ever European championships on that track yeah so how so, are the cars when you say eight scale are they on road eight scale cars yeah it's it's on road like, like just, bang, it's like just a, an oval like a banger race Chris you know with um, oh, right, okay. like a sprint car I suppose it's an oval yeah so I mean they're oh, when everybody says oval to me I just think uh, NASCAR no, or... I think think, yeah, bang, yeah, think, think uh, banger racing at Hensford those sort of eight those sort yeah. of cars ah right okay it's um, I loved it I've still got like old videos that I watch then. don't get me wrong I, I loved doing that and when it was at its peak, it was amazing. Yeah. Like, it really was. So, so, how many cars would you have on a track? On a, uh, six, six. You have to do six car races? Yeah, six car races. So, it would be, I can't remember how the format of the racing worked. It was heats, two two cars direct to the final, six cars to consolation, and the first four cars made it through from that or yeah. something like that. And, and then when you went to big events, it was your 
kind of like the eight scale buggies work. You go down through the finals, quarterfinals, semi-finals, yeah. and so on down to the final. So, so what was it like beating Craig Grisha? Was he was he was he well, a, a is, big, was he a big deal then, or was he just another? He guy? was a big no, he was a big deal, but I I didn't know how big a deal he was at that point. Yeah, because I was like eleven or twelve, so I didn't. I knew he was good. Yeah. I knew he was like guy from CML. I just didn't know how good Craig was until afterwards because you didn't have all over the internet. You seen them in magazines occasionally. That's yeah. where you seen these things back then. So for me, once I realised it was amazing. He yeah. beat me the next night. We raced two nights in a row, and he beat me the next night. I'll give him that. <laughs> but um, so what, what sort of touring car did you have then? Did you already have these? I you had a Yokobo. A Yoke. Um, MR4 TC. Yeah, it was the one that had a spring in the top deck oh yeah and the, yeah yeah MR, the, that was a four it, that was, yeah. well, it was an mr4 something wasn't it it was a nice mr4, MR4 tc yeah um, i'm sure that's what it was yeah a two-sheet car, 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 yeah no it was, a, it was a good car i started off racing tuning cars not kidding with one of the tto1 red gearbox tamia things yeah and that's how it all kind of kicked off but to that at that point that's when touring cars blew up i mean yeah. it got huge um my biggest regret is just never discovered an off-road earlier, as I'd, I'd never go back and to. What it touring now. car kind of took over from um, to, uh, off-road, didn't well, it? As, as like the premier ten-scale so. class, really in I electric. So it was just it, it, in Scotland anyway. There was maybe if you went to a club night, there was like six or seven heats of touring cars and four buggies in one heat. Yeah, yeah. So it, it really it, it did. It was massive. It was massive. You had racing. I could race four nights a week in Scotland. For touring cars, that's crazy, I, mate. And we did, we, we did race four nights a week. Yeah. Where's you, how far is your closest club now? Uh, for off road, or or touring car. Yeah, off road. Um, Glasgow is now my closest track, so it's about thirty miles from yeah. my house. Yes, yeah, no, that's no. for outdoor. Indoor is probably about yeah, just just less than that. But yeah, that's my biggest outdoor track. Yeah. Okay. Because that makes more sense as to why you had a brief foray into GT12 then. Yeah, I mean, I had... Um, so when I came, took my break out, which was maybe 10 years or whatever, I, as I did, just doing my other things, because I play ice hockey as well, so that takes up some of my time as yeah. well. Um, I came back initially, before I went into, into off-road, I, I had a brief couple of years racing uh, oval BRC oval 12th scale. So I raced Mardave Hot Rods, I raced 12 scale saloons, and I raced the stock cars, but I, I won the BRC National Championship in the saloons, <laughs> it, just as I came back. Uh, that was just great fun. And then it was time my, mate, my mates were saying, let's let's get a bit more serious, come back in a serious class, and that's how I ended up in the buggies. But yeah, because I'd done the Mardaves, not only did we race them on oval, we raced them in the GT12 class as it was starting. So. That's when I said to Schumacher, I fancy a wee shot in GT12 again, do you want me to do a bit? And I did, but that's like I've spoke to you before, that quickly became an eye-opener of how ridiculous that class had got yeah. for what was going to be a budget. And I was like, yeah, not not for me at all. Yeah. Uh, you, you briefly mentioned then um, the ice hockey. Mm-hmm. Is it, it, I don't mean to be disrespectful, is it is the ice hockey you play the same as I watch on YouTube with these the NFL guys like nah, just the literally the fighting every twenty seconds? Is you've only got two like two or three levels of hockey in the UK. You go from professional, yeah, a sort of some semi-professional leagues, and then you've got the amateur league. And the amateur league ranges from ex-professionals to players that are just starting. So 
like teams I play for, you'll have a mix of guys that have played at a really good level yeah. to really new, and it can be really strange playing in a game like that because one minute you'll be on the ice against guys that are really good, and then it'll be against somebody that like Just quite doing new. for a living for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, and you've got to be careful because in our in our league, if you fight in our league, you, you get a quite a long ban because everybody works the next day, and if you if you hit too hard in our league, same thing again. People have got to go to work the next oh, so day. Oh, if you solder barge them too hard, you mean? Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah you're allowed yeah, yeah. contact, but there, if you go over the score, that you get pulled up for it. The fighting's their biggest one. You get a, you get something like a, an eight game ban or a, four, a, a eight month ban, whatever lasts longer. Yeah, so if you do kick off, you got to make it worth it, yeah. Ah, you better make it worth it if you're going to do it. So, so what's it like racing up there in the in the regionals, being the fastest man in Scotland? Our regionals are great, actually. Um, from when I started the regionals, they've grown so much. They've, they've doubled in size. I mean, I think if you were to look at how many individual people raced in our last regionals, I think it was something like 189. Wow. Which, for us, we're happy with. Obviously, we are one region. Yeah. But in England, they've got a population of 50 million. We've got a population of five. So our region is probably the same as your individual regions. Yeah. Like, so. You've just got to travel a lot further. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. There is a couple of tracks that are further in our region, but the one that was the furthest away is no longer exists. Which I loved the track, but the journey was like three and a half hours for the regional. Is that so up was, the country? Yeah, 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 like almost to the Faroes. Like it was so far. It was. It, it really was a long journey. Yeah. How do you find um, running two wheel drive and four wheel drive on the same day? Uh, used to find it fine. I don't like it anymore. I voted against it. Yeah, uh, I, voted, I voted to go Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, and obviously to make up the numbers because we've got trucks now, it would have been like two wheel drive still probably the more popular class. So whatever's the more popular, do that the Saturday. And my suggestion was four wheel driving truck on the Sunday. Yeah, it ended up getting didn't get enough support. There was support for it, but it didn't get enough support. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it can be really tight. The biggest problem I find is on a grass regional your setup changes throughout the day as yeah. the track changes. The track evolves. You have so little time to change your car because your Marshall race, couple of races break, Marshall race, because I think in total we have 13 heats. Yeah. So if you've got two races and two Marshalls in between then, you're not left a lot of time, especially if you've got eating stuff as well. Yeah. It's like doing a national twice in one day, isn't it? It's. I am, hand on heart, I am more tired after a regional than a national. Yeah. I'm tired after the national. Um, national weekends take out you, but a regional day, I have like a two day hangover from a regional. I am knackered. <laughs> do you go? Do you go with your tires all glued, or do you, or do you, or do you glue them on the day? Oh, I, I go prepared. Yeah. The, the good thing about grass is, unlike Astro, it's it's not as much like you maybe need one set of tires for the day. Yeah. So it's that in itself is a lot easier but i always like i'm prepped for all weather like i've got my wet tires ready i've got my i just wouldn't have the time to be gluing them up I just wouldn't yeah see at nationals you can glue them up in between rounds if you want if you can be bothered like i tend i like to be prepared so yeah. i tend to glue up prior to these meetings but if you want to do it you've got time at the national people will tell you people like mike walk and that they'll tell you a national hangover is real a regional hangover is worse up here yeah it is brutal <laughs> I think um, as an example we had a regional last year 
it was like the first one of the year, so it's like an eight o'clock start for your like be there for practice. So you're there at like say I don't know half seven to yeah. set up. My last final finished at quarter to eight, so oh. that was a twelve-hour day at the track. Yeah, I was not. I just I, by the time you get home, you're just ruined. <laughs> like you're absolutely ruined for the day. That's mental. mental. It's so long ago, day that. Uh, I mean, I thought I was a bad. You like you're up. At, you get there for like sort of what half seven ish, don't you? Maybe a little bit before. But we finished by like sort of four, half. Four, I mean, see when I see people late. posting up that they finished the finals at three o'clock and it's time to go, and I'm like, we don't like round two. <laughs> I'm like, what, <laughs> what, what? I'm like, I'm so jealous. Like, I just, the, I think something I'll have to give anyway because if we keep growing at the rate we're growing up here. They'd have to split it because the demand would be too high. Yeah. Yeah. All the clubs are changing here. Like we've got, we've went from a fully grass regional to three clubs potentially going to have astroturf tracks for next season. So it's gonna go. Yeah. And yeah. um, because you know, I'm all, the thing is, I don't know what it's like um, with you guys, but if you're throwing it down the rain and you're racing on grass, I bet people just stop on, don't they? Not all of if them. It's a, if it's a reg- if it's a regional, some do. Yeah. Like quite often, I'll book in just for a club day. And if I see the weather forecast and I wake up in the morning there's rain, I'll, I sack that. I'll race grass yeah. um, if it's dry on a club day. Yeah. Uh, regional will race the rain, but that's a full rebuild. Yeah. Like, if you want your car to stay good, that is a full rebuild. I was looking at pictures earlier today, funnily enough, of my car at one of the last really wet regionals, and it it was a full strip down. Like It looked like it was back to kit form, and yeah. that is not fun. So, you know yourself, Astro, you can, it's all weather, your car gets wet, you get the airline out it's it's going to make the hobby more accessible for more people and more just just brings in a more lure to the to, it just makes you want to race it more people will think oh great it's not dirty i don't have to do this don't have yeah. to do that it'll just draw them in more i think yeah. so definitely definitely so um just going away from the regionals briefly um you went to um obviously all the list all just for the listeners out there when the UK lockdown um, started for COVID, we'd all done a meeting um, in the January um, at Bruntingthorpe, the, the British GP. Um, uh, and obviously you raced there as well. So I'm, what, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about that like it happened like last yeah. week, if you know what I mean. Sure, sure. <laughs> so how did you even get on? That was over a year ago. Yeah, yep. even though it was over a year <laughs> ago. But that was the last big meeting anyone was really done. So obviously you travelled all the way all the way down for that and you, and you bought um, quite a few guys with you as well, didn't you? Yeah, my biggest problem going into that meeting was I hadn't been feeling very well for about a week before that meeting. So the first day, like I was really ill. I hadn't been eating properly, and I just, you know, my head, my head was in it, but it wasn't in it. Yeah. So I was really, really struggling to eat, and I just, I'd felt terrible. Um. But on the flip side, I was super confident going in because my carpet form was like really good like really really good i've yeah. done the i've done the neem winter series and neem's a popular winter series on carpet and i'd did i win one or one or two classes overall and i was me and greg williams were always having good fights and me and ty little and I, I just i knew my form on carpet especially four-wheel drive was excellent and then when i got there and went out in practice i was like this carpet isn't the same I was like, "This, what is this? I'm like, okay, so two-wheel drive went okay. I hadn't been feeling very well. 
I think I made the B final. Wasn't disappointed for the way I was feeling, but felt I, I still got A finals in me on carpet. And yeah, I wasn't overly happy. So four wheel drive started, went out for the first practice. Cart felt hard to drive, even though my car is usually so good. It felt quite hard to drive, but it felt fast. So I came off the first practice and I seated second. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. hold on a minute. And then I was like, okay, so who, like, I think it was me, I think it was Lee. It was like Lee, me, Neil, someone, and then Michael or Oscar. I thought, yeah. okay, this is great because this get is the, the Get them pictures I, on Facebook. <laughs> I know I had that pace and I'm like, great. And I was saying to Trisha and I was saying, okay, I've got this pace, but this track is like, it's like take EOS and just times the grip by like 10. It's just, it's like Velcro. Yeah. So I, I thought I'm going to try some stuff and they're like, put, we've got the newer chassis. He's like, put that on. So I'm like, I put, put the chassis on it. So I milled out chassis, calm the car down. Yeah. And it did, but I found that I was struggling to finish the corners and they're like, change this, change this, change this. And all that happened was throughout the day, my results got worse and worse yeah. and worse and worse. So I got to my final and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do my own thing back to what I do. And it's the best the card felt the whole day. But by then you've wasted your day. Yeah. And it's what I do say to people and I should listen to it sometimes myself. If you're if you if you know what you're doing and you've got confidence in what you're doing, do it. Don't just because that person's doing this or that person's fast and they're doing that doesn't mean their car's handling well. Michael Orlovsky and people like that, just because they're doing something in their car doesn't mean it's good. These people can drive. That's why they're yeah. professional drivers. They can drive th- through bad setups. I remember Mick Craig once saying, Neil is the worst test driver he's ever used because <laughs> Neil just puts a car down, a couple of laps, Oh, doesn't if it doesn't feel great, he just adjusts his driving and he's back to the same lap times within five laps. Yeah, I spoke to a guy um, who he used to pit for Dave Spashit at the um, at, 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 on the twelfth meetings um, and help out. And they said when they made a change to his car, they only had one lap to spot to see it, see whether it yeah. made a difference. Yeah, because yeah. after because after the first lap of practice, he's, he, he, he's, he's adjusted for straight away. Yeah. So you only totally. see it on the first lap. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, after. The, Things that I would usually do when the grips like that is I'd go higher in diff oils and I'd do this and I'd do that. And I was like, nobody else is doing that. Maybe that's a stupid idea. And then after two-wheel drive had finished, we'd been running like 7K in the diff. And I'm like, this is far too low. This grip's ridiculously high. We probably shouldn't be running that. It's making the car twitchy. And then I found out that some of the Yokoma boys had been running 150K in their diff. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. I'm like, that's what I wish I'd had the balls to try. So what I'd done was like a couple of weeks after the GP, I went up to our track in air, which is like as grippy as that, if not worse. And I chucked 500k in my diff. Yeah. And the car felt great. Yeah. <laughs> I was was like, it just like an LSD that was just locked? Or? It basically just, when you get on the power, when the, the diff's thin and the grip's high, yeah. it, gets, it just gets really snatchy and bitey. And it just calms it down, calms it down on throttle. Okay, you, you, you struggle for like through the hairpins you yeah. will struggle more through the hairpins so I'm not saying that the GP we should have shoved 500k in but maybe 100k 150 experiment with something like that Yeah. I heard something about four wheel drive some of the Yokomos had like 10k in the front and 100k in the rear so people were doing things with the oil that needed to be done because I've never raced a track like that before like that that grip what what was it I read like the, so the Americans use this carpet yeah CRC yeah. stuff yeah, yeah yeah what people forget is the Americans use like Proline and J concept tires that are a lot harder. Yeah, I, I've tried those tires. They don't give as much grip, so they're not going to feel as bad on that carpet. I reckon if you were to chuck 
cactus yellows on your car and go down in America, they'd be you'd be seeing a lot more grip rolling going on that carpet. Yeah. So it's just one of those things that. Yeah. I mean, the didn't group, adjust quick enough. The grip at that GP was higher than normal. Um, uh, I, cause I'll put it down to when we're at it service and that carpet's on top of a slippy floor so the carpet moves like to the point yeah, where you have to be yeah, careful yeah, yeah. when you're running yeah. around to Marshall because you can re- literally just you know slide across it and pull it up yeah. um, yet at Bruntingthorpe it was on a on a concrete floor yeah, and I don't yes. think it moved and, and that was the difference what, why the grip was so much higher I felt like I wasn't racing my car around I was trying to survive for five minutes yeah. around that track yeah. like it, it, it's just I'd done everything to dial that out of the cars. I think when you watched everybody else's car, I think everybody felt the same. Watching everybody else's car, I think everybody was having the exact same issue. Cars were like on edge. The steering was super twitchy. Like, yeah. Even other people's cars, like my friend that was with me, Stevie Sheridan, I was making his car as numb as I possibly could. And even then it was still, they were still twitchy. It was just crazy carpet, that stuff. Yeah. Super crazy. I don't, I must admit, I prefer EOS carpet over that. Yeah. So, how, how long have you been with Schumacher now? Four, five years, four years? got to be four and a bit years now, I think. Yeah, it'll be about four years now, I reckon. Happy there? Do you, do you ever get any development products to try? Uh, I don't really do any development for them. I get asked my opinions on things, but I never specifically get sent anything. Occasionally, I have had times where Robin sent me tyres that he wants me to try because there's people that are running big events and it's on lower grip. Can you please test these on grass? Is this something you could feedback them? As far as parts go, not really. Occasionally get the odd part ahead, but not my own. Schumacher are kind of fair that way. They don't go giving too many drivers early parts. Maybe just their factory yeah and they don't go putting it out too far past that which is a good thing because it's quite crap when you can't get your hands on something that somebody else is, is racing yeah if especially if it's making a big difference but you know it's it's, it's good it's good it's obviously yeah because obviously being so far away it's always nice to know that you you, you know that's that's the thing of you or you're in contact with him muzz is good he gives muzz stays in contact he'll call me make sure everything's been okay and we'll talk about things or if I've had a problem with the car, I think this could be done better, or that could be done better. Speak, I'll speak to him. We'll speak to Trish, and yeah, they're open to listen to those things. One good thing is Michael Orlovsky is—he's one of my good friends these days. Like, obviously, met him through being part of Schumacher. So if I've ever got a problem, I just moan at Michael. But he's one of those drivers as well that doesn't—he just drive around problems, eh? Yeah. So. I'm like Michael. This is a problem. And he's like, no, it's not a problem. I'm like it, it is. Can you please look into this? And he's like, <laughs> it is, it is I'm not feeling mortal. it. Uh, yeah. Like, he's he's funny. But yeah, Michael's funny that way. Michael just never has enough steering. If you ever speak to him, yeah. And if you try one of Michael's setups, the car has more steering than any car you ever drive in your life. Yeah. It's ridiculous. That's why I tell people. They're like, I'm going to stick Michael's setup on for this meeting or this mm. meeting. And I'm like, great, try it. But if it's not for you, change it. Because Michael likes a lot of steering. Yeah. It's got one of the most unique setups I've ever had a shot of. So, yeah, I've spoke about yeah. that before. Um, there's a guy at our club. Um, he, he, tried, he was trying Lee Martin setups on EOS. Yep. And he couldn't drive it. Um, yeah. he, was, he just had, he had that much steering. You, you, he couldn't steer. You know, I uh, like Lee's setups. I, I've tried both. And if you think they've got a lot of steering, you should try Michael's. Like, yeah. Jesus. The, it's weird because the two polar opposites. So you've got two pro drivers. You've got Michael and you've got Jorn. Yeah. Their setups are just opposite. Jorn's car is a bit lazier. You can throw it about a bit more. It doesn't bite you. Michael's is on a knife edge. But it's, a car on a knife edge is super quick. 
Yeah. Uh, if, if you, you can, can hold, hold on to it. it. Yeah. 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 I mean, when I when I first started like doing back to regionals and back to nationals and stuff after my break, I tried. Um, I was running the B six, mm-hmm. and I tried. I tried Neil's setup, and I just I couldn't get on with it. And I, I've tried a few of them. I was, I've just come to realise the only person that can drive Neil's setup is Neil. Yeah. It's dang it. And I then I was looking around. I was looking around, and I. I got a setup off Jason Green, and I put that on, and it felt really, really nice. It was nice to drive, but after about two meetings, I thought oh, it just doesn't feel right for me. Yeah. So I had a look around for another starting point, um, and I threw on one of Una Hartnan's setups mm-hmm. for Astro. Went like so much faster than I'd been going all the all the time, and it was just that one setup must have just suited me in comparison no, that, that, to the other right. two. I don't really use anything. I sometimes use somewhere towards Michael's, but me and Lyorn must have like a, a similar way we like a car to feel because I tried his one on carpet because Michael's car on carpet is like, it's super fast. Like I've, I've done meetings with it and it's super fast, but hanging on to that for five minutes on carpet is just eye bleeding. It is hard. Whereas yeah. Jorn's car is just a little bit more settled, but still really fast. It's just, his car's just a bit lazier. And it's just the way he likes it. Michael doesn't use a lot of steering input, as far as I believe. So he doesn't. He needs his cars to be a bit sharper. And yeah. like you say about Neil's, once you learn how setup works, you can look at a setup sheet and think, "Wow, that looks random." You see that with some people's setup sheets; they are just completely random. But if they work for that person, that's all that matters. I tell people, yeah. do, if they get, if if you can do your own testing, go and do it. The the best thing you can do, and how I taught myself when I came into off road. I was sticking people's setups on and running them, but I didn't know what I was changing. And I don't, I, I, that feels really uncomfortable to me. So I went up to the track that was up north, the one that was three and a half hours away. I went up a couple of different weekends. I took a notebook with me and I just changed everything one at a time. So full length rear camber link, full narrow. Same yeah. on the front, full lengths high, full lengths low. What did that do? How did it feel? what was my lap time and I just wrote down everything and that's how I began to learn what things were doing how the car felt because the theory of how something feels doesn't always play out on how it nah. actually feels you can theoretically say this will do this but sometimes it feels the opposite that's yeah. that's RC for you well, well the, th- the theory of it the physics of it and the it's if you change this cambling to this then the car should do this yeah. at a certain amount faster or slower it should have a certain amount more weight roll or you know front grip rear grip lose about but what that doesn't take into account is that me and you could run a car exactly the same you could have the identical car same transmitter everything but you might move that you might naturally move the steering stick faster than i do yeah or further in yeah. a corner. Oh, no offence, Alan would be carrying a hell of a load more corn speed than you would, Chris. <laughs> so that's well, going to no, make no. a difference as well, isn't no, it? The weight no. loads. The, the difference is, I would carry a hell of a lot more corner speed than Alan. The difference is, Alan's car would come out the other side of the corner. <laughs> well, actually, well, exactly. That's the same point, though, isn't it? It's the, load, it's the loading on yeah. the car. See what yeah, you just said so. there, Russell? That's as well with like setup changes. A car, so say somebody like Michael, right? Yeah. If you drive his car at low speed, it will be undrivable because yeah. it'll be so super twitchy but the faster his car goes the easier it becomes to drive so for him he's not going to be feeling all that but if you give it to somebody that's maybe 
lower to the, lower down the pack who's not lapping as yeah. fast or not pushing the car as hard it is going to be hard to drive yeah whereas oh. if he took somebody's car that was easy to drive he'd be understeed in every way and so yeah. on so. Yeah, it's I, I like saw... the analogy with the formula one cars in it they say they're they're a pig to drive at low speed they're not Absolutely. they work at a speed they're designed to work at mm-hmm. um but yeah, because I, yeah. I, I saw something Jared Tebow posted on, um, on Facebook, and he was saying he was helping a guy at the track who'd copied his setup, um, but his shock was too hard because he wasn't hitting going through the bumps as fast as Jared was, as Tebow was. Oh, so yeah. the car was just unsettling sort of and, and jumping up all the time. So that's what he, you know, it was just another yeah. thing. Don't you, you ain't got to be exact with you know who who you copy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, what a setup doesn't sheet, what a setup sheet doesn't take into account is the pink dopey squidgy thing that's got the transmitter in their hand yeah. yeah that's what it doesn't take into account the thing is as well your brain works against you so you'll put somebody's setup sheet on right and you'll watch their car and you're like that's going through the bumps really well mine's isn't but but i'm not going to change it because well theirs is going through the bumps so it can't be that whereas it just might be something small different so well theoretically drop your oils 50 weight or 50 cst or five yeah. weight and miraculously, your car might go through the bumps better. It just, yeah. but your brain is like, but I shouldn't do it because on their setup sheet, they've told me they're using this. Yeah. And it's yeah. just your brain fights you, and you're like, it can't be that. But yeah, you've just got to fight against it sometime and make the change. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you are going to try and like, not necessarily copy setups, but sort of take advice from people on setups, is your best thing to try to do is find somebody in your region or at your club that has a similar driving style yeah as you it doesn't have to be the fastest personnel i mean we're really looking on well i'm looking the the midwest the fact that you've got you know the hall brothers and yeah. i've tried a couple of what they what they run and I, I find that a really comfortable setup to run and i can i think i can drive it pretty well yeah um so i'm lucky that they're you know some of the fastest in the country but you don't necessarily have to be Looking at who's the fastest in the country. No, absolutely not. There's plenty setup. other. There's plenty other fast. But what I always tell people as well is, it's a starting point. It's not bang that setup on and leave it. Yeah. So like, if somebody puts a setup on, right? Like, say it's another car that it's not a brand I run, but they come and ask me for some help, and I'll say like, well, let's get a starting point. Let's go to the track. Once you've done your race, come off and tell me, did it have enough steering? Did it go through the bumps okay? Tell me what you need, and I'll tell you what to do from there. Yeah. Uh, and some people occasionally, uh, do you? You probably know Robert Stevenson. Have you heard of Robert? Yeah, Stevenson? yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So Robert will like come to me sometimes and say, "I'm going, to, I'm going here to race. I've been struggling a bit with my B74 on the grass. Um, what do you think I should do?" And I said, "Well, listen, I'll take a B74 setup sheet. If I, as if I had just bought one, and what I would put down on grass." This is what I would start with. And we'd done it one day, and I met him at the meeting because I knew he was coming down for the club meeting. And we got the car a bit better to where he liked it, and he said, oh, it felt much better. It's just just finding that starting point and working from there. If you're too far off it, then, yeah, you're going to struggle to get it to go anywhere. But if you're near the start, if you've got a rough sort of middle ground, it's always just a yeah. starting point. You can work from it. Do you have a part of a contract with Schumacher that you have to supply him set-up sheets every time you race or anything like that? Or do you, just, do you send I, I actually... It's funny, I put my setup sheets on usually like my Facebook. Yeah. And Arno from the TRC tends to just pick them straight from my Facebook and yeah. they make their way to the TRC anyway, so yeah. it's great. So they're already <laughs> like they're already there. 
Yeah. See, see, actually, when this is the sort of misconception people have about setups. So today, somebody dropped, like, um, posted, sorry, a Schumacher Storm truck to me to set up for them. Yeah. And I said to them, how would you like it set up? Uh, and they're like, grass. They said to me, oh, grass and Astro. And I'm like, I can't give you both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't do it. It's impossible. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. You want to set up like I want to set up sand and tarmac. Like I'll give you one or the other. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm like, I think it's most likely you'll be racing on grass first. I'll do that for you. But yeah. like, I cannot give you both. And that's yeah. if you do race it, I'm like, I can give you an Astro setup, and it won't be so good on the grass. Or I can give you a grass one, and it won't be so good on the Astro. Yeah. But, what um? What did you think of the truck? Did you might did you think oh, I fancy one of these, or are you just that busy with two so, and four? I'm too busy really on a regional day if Schumacher came to me and said I'd like you to race it like I'm already like struggling on a regional yeah. day to do it. it we were getting that feel actually that they were talking about doing away with trucks purely because we were so busy yeah. but if they separated the days to a Saturday and a Sunday I'd do the four in the truck on the same day yeah. Yeah. I would do that they look quite a bit of, like a bit of good fun going round and stuff and looks like a good good car so yeah, I would do it under those circumstances, but I don't think I'd want to do three in a day. Yeah. Oh, three in a day is mental. Nah, I know, like... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah uh, but use, the thing is, well, if, if that, and, you, and so. if that was the West Mid... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If that was the West Mid reason you were doing three classes in the day, people would be moaning about your extra track time. <laughs> well, the thing is, you know Duncan Paul. Duncan Paul was looking after five cars at yeah. one point on, on a regional day, like... That boy's like, I mean, that boy's eyes usually pop out of skull, but on a nor like this was extraordinary. Like, he looked like he was going to die usually because yeah. yeah. he was just race marshal, race marshal, race marshal, like no break whatsoever. And meanwhile, yeah. you got Dan just running around. Dan's just messing about. Up, up does his race marshal, back to mess about for a bit. Like, and yeah. Duncan's just stressed out his head. Like, when I see him like that and he's trying to work on two cars, I'm like, Duncan, give me one of the cars and I'll take it and yeah. sort it for so you. I'll like. When I came, I came up to Dumfries to that regional, and I was I was sat at his table gluing tyres as well for him. He just oh, had a never-ending <laughs> gluing, just, gluing machine. He going he's like, I'm going to prep it in advance, and I speak to him on the Sunday, and I'm like, Duncan, the biggest problem with Duncan is not get enough sleep. I'm like, get to your bed at a reasonable time tonight, and then yeah. we get to the, the regional. I'm like, get a good sleep, and he's like, I went to bed about four, and I'm like, Duncan, that's no good for you on a day like this. Get to <laughs> your bed, prep a bit in advance, and get to your bed. Like, <laughs> Honestly, it's, so, man. Yeah, it's, it's uh... like when they were both trying to run nationals. You'd you'd look at him oh. at the nationals. Everybody else is like tables there. It's like nice and pristine. You got all the all the drivers lined up in size order, and you know you've got everything set out lovely. Like people are taking pictures of their pit table and stuff. Then the Duncans, it just looks like somebody's chucked a grenade in his pit box, <laughs> let it off, and where everything's oh, landed. I know. Everything... And it's always like that. I remember he was trying to something broke before a final at an indoor race and i was like he just he was so stressed that's why i, I feel like i've like i put my hand on the shoulder like let's take a breath the more nervous and uptight you get the slower you work on a car give me it i'll do that part and like we'll work together on it and we'll get there it's fine because he just he just looks so super stressed like super super yeah. stressed i can't remember where me and me and jason did that for some it was for ian and we were, I think, was it one of the Dudley Sunday winter season things? And like his car just wasn't working, or there was something up with it. It was a four-wheel drive, so we just like basically ripped the car in half, <laughs> left the chassis as it was. The only thing that didn't come off the chassis was the centre diff. I had the front end, Chase had the rear end. <laughs> we were both there, 
and we got this card stripped back together and put right within about 20 minutes. It's one of those things that I remember at a national, David Scott, that I raced with, his car lost signal at... What's the wee track that's down from Robin Hood? A bit further down from Robin Hood. It's just a wee track. I actually really like it. I can't even remember the name of it. But it went full... It went head-on into a wall. Oh. And the chassis bent. <laughs> and it was like me and David trying to rebuild this car between us for his next race. Oh, I'm trying to think of the one down from Robin. Was it in Brockstow? Brockstow, that's the one. There you go. My least favourite national track. Sorry, Brockstow. You do a great job, but... What, what, what's wrong with Brockstow? I've just never had good results there. I think it's... I, I don't know. I just struggled there. See, it's very sandy. It's very sandy, yeah. but I really oh, enjoy yeah. it. You need, you need paddle tyres. It's the only <laughs> place I ever got to test it, like... A car for Schumacher that hadn't been released. I got a shot of the LD at Brockstow after a meeting. Got to go go and do a wee test day there. But it is it is sandy. Like if you get offline at Brockstow, yeah. Oh man, yeah. that's sandy. And I think that that's what sort of kills it. If you go offline, it's that sandy. You haven't got the pace to get round the person. Yeah. Yeah. So you just haven't got the grip offline to make any passes. So if you get stuck behind somebody and you know they're not of the the kind that are going to just move out of the way if you are faster that's it that you might as well just pull it over that's it done it's it's a good track but yeah i know exactly what you mean i know exactly yeah. so that. before you were schumacher um you you were there lmr yokomo and uh during the war you were, you did a bit of tlr lossy as well oh yeah listen it's like aiden and other people always used to like to make a joke about the teams because I think I started off with X-Ray and after that I progressed to LMR and one thing I want to point out here each move wasn't just a sideways move for a same discount it was an increase so I was like moving as I was getting better offers so I was with LMR for about a year when I was with X-Ray I was kind of still nude and still finding my feet so I was with LMR for about a year and then Team C came in with an offer that was like the best offer I'd ever had and I was sceptical about it but I took it and Craig Collins was there and I I really liked Craig as a driver so really enjoyed my time there, I was there with the Holdsworths, Martin Owen, Craig Collins and we had a great time but the problem that happened with Team C is we kept getting promised cars in the pipeline this is in the pipeline and it just never never happened so at that point I was like, I, I, nothing's happening here. There's no improvements. So TLR were, I can't remember if somebody had left Team C and went to TLR. But I, was, I was pals with Billy Fletcher. And he was like, come to TLR. I'm like, oh, yeah, like great. Let's do it. It looks, looks good. And within about two months of being at TLR, like the arse fell out of the UK side of it. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, okay. And I'm like, what do I do now? So I'd done my first national with TLR, uh, and the, it was the old, obviously, 22.4. Now, nobody that raced for Taylor that, that's, that time is going to tell you much different. That car was a pick to drive on AstroTurf. Yeah. It was really, really difficult. And I thought, I can cut my losses here because I'm not contracted. Nobody was no longer contracted with that. They were trying to move it over to Europe, but you had the choice to stay on or move elsewhere. And Christels had moved to Schumacher. And I was still friends with Chris because of the TLR stuff. He was the one that brought me on board. And they were like speak to them see, see maybe move over and it was at the same national robin just happened to be there chatted to muzz chatted to robin chatted to trish and 
Robin was dead keen and within a couple of weeks that's how we ended up moving and happy to say that they can't take the piss out of me now because as you said at the start I've been here like four and a bit yes, years yes, yes, so in, in our sea time that, that's, that, a long, that, that's a long time that's definitely in the, these hoes are loyal bracket mate exactly <laughs> definitely. as Russ said you're now a loyal hoe yeah. exactly <laughs> I've, I've, and I know if I like ever leave Schumacher in the future I can hold my head high and say I, I put a lot of time into them and I've gave a lot back nothing planned for anything like that but you never know what your future yeah. holds I'm contracted Schumacher and I enjoy it there yeah, and you well obviously because you're still there. Um, you doing some eighth as well now, mate? Uh, yeah. So not long before lockdown, uh, me and my mate Stevie, that's like my best mate at racing, we decided to get an eighth, give it a try, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and then I signed with a Gamma about a month or so ago. Okay. So through Nemo, so I'm yeah. signed to them now. Uh, just I haven't seen a Facebook weird. post, mate. Sorry about that. Oh, well, no, that's all right. That's, no, there was, that's there not was on one. my notes. I can't believe it. <laughs> Nemo, Nemo did put one out, definitely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I'm signed to, signed to Gamma to race with them. Oh, as soon as lockdown ends, my plan is to do a weekend down at Nemo, just a bit of testing, getting a bit of running in. Yeah. Are you, um, you got Nitro or have you gone electric? Ah, Nitro. 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 It takes me back to my days of the stock cars. Yeah. Eh? It's, it's yeah, like yeah. a throwback. So I really enjoyed that. I've done one Nitro meeting so far. Uh, I done one at the track at Blackpool. Yeah, uh, and I loved it. I loved it. I, I was gutted. I mean, I was on probably to win like my first ever A final at Nitro, my first meeting. Yeah, and came in from my last pit stop, and somebody hit the back of my car while it was being fueled, and he really bent a shock shaft. Oh man! Uh, and I limped round for the last stint, and I I lost third place on the last lap. So I finished fourth. Yeah. But considering I had to limp round for like seven minutes, I was quite happy and devastated at the same time because I'd love to have won the first meeting and took part in. But was, was, that on the, was that on the dirt track or the Astro track? Dirt, dirt track. Yeah, yeah. Dirt track. I, I was, uh, it's my competitive side. I was devastated to that to happen, but I really enjoyed it. Like, really, yeah. really enjoyed that. It was great. And I can't wait to get back on track with the, the Gamma down at Nemo and get some time in. Yeah, have you got any eighth tracks up by you? So we did, but it closed as they were meant to be developing houses on it. And yeah. then they were rebuilding it in a new area. And then it, the old track's still there. The housing development has never started. And the new track got started and never finished. So we've got two tracks in limbo up here, but I don't know if anything's ever going to happen with them yeah. again. The, Black, the Blackpool track's like two and a half hours run for me. I'm not... Just local for you. Like, honestly, when yeah. considering Robin, who's like my local astro, really, or my, my most favourite local astro, it's like four hours. Yeah, That doesn't seem that far for me. Nah, I'm, for me, um, obviously I'm pretty lucky with the motorway structure down here. Um, I'd class two hours as local um, because I can get so far away, you know, from the West Midlands in the UK to anywhere in two hours. You know, yeah. anything over two hours, I'd probably have a think about whether it was worth my oh, effort. Oh, absolutely. You know what if, I mean? But was, two, up two hours, e two and a half hours, mate, from the top of Scotland is easy local, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. You get used to that travelling. People are like, I don't know how you do it, but you really get used to it like if you're doing it if i want to race the quality racing that i'm taking part in i need to do it i need to keep racing at the highest level to keep pushing myself to keep me at my best so it has to be done yeah it's just because you were planning on going to race in in america weren't you uh well i would oh, like to yeah i had more plans initially to go to europe yeah for some of the eos america i'd love to race in um, 
the EOS was the plan for this season for the ones that got cancelled. It's Michael and his dad, especially Michael's dad. Every time he sees me, or he'll phone me when it's coming close to an EOS that's near him. He's like, "I'll pick you up from the airport. You can stay here. I'll do this." And I'm like, I'll, I'll, "Honestly, I'll try my best." What my biggest problem with EOS is everyone I look at, I can't seem to get a flight back till like the Tuesday, and like, yeah, it's just a nightmare. So, yeah, it's on the to-do list. I'd like to do it because carpet's one of my my good points the car, the cars are excellent i'd seem to do well on carpet and i just eh, i love i just love racing yeah eh, all aspects of it racing wrenching helping others there's, I like some, it all. there's something special about going abroad and doing it though mate i don't know what Absolutely. it is for me you know Absolutely. it's just mind-blowing you know when i was on my last holiday with the wife in tenerife i was like oh i found an rc track i'm gonna go visit it and then like there was guys practicing and like they could barely speak english and i'm trying to like talk to them about like show them photos on my phone like this is me yeah and they're looking at me like who's this idiot and i'm like uh, and i'm like i can't remember if they offer me a shot but i can't really drive a wheel i don't want to embarrass myself here you'll think i'm somebody that's never raced before like yeah yeah <laughs> but i just uh, yeah going going's probably somewhere abroad and even racing outdoors in the scorching sun just something just hits different about that yeah. i think yeah it was it was good. with the with the eos you either, you've got the option of Stay in the airport for like six or seven hours afterwards. You've got the book the flight where if your final's delayed, you might yeah, miss, you might miss it. Aye. Or you've got the the only way to do it is BA or somebody like that where it's a stupid cost for the flight. And it, yeah, that's absolutely. the only way you get a reasonable It's the one. Polish one that I'd really like to do. And the last one I looked at was like was I said... Warsaw. Yeah, and the flight home was the Tuesday. So, and the thing is, Michael's dad was like, "That's oh, fine. I'll take you out in Poland on the Monday and stuff." And I'm like, "Yeah, that'd be great. Like that. That sounds okay." But the, yeah, the, I w- the extra day's not that bad because I suppose if there's something touristy you want to do local, then it's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they are they are really good to do. I did the uh, the one at Arena Thirty Three. Oh, um, that looked awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was it was even better when he pulls a truck up. There's just free beer. Was that the Astro EOS, Chris? Yeah, 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 that was the first Astro. I think yeah. it was the first one they'd done. Uh, Tony Reinard built a track out the back of his facility. Amazing track. Um, Looks good. Looks good fun. Yeah, yeah. It was a, to be honest, it was not quite slidey. No, no. It was to me. It was no different to Telford's Astro. To be oh, honest, yeah. um, but like, it was just a great time. The the results were never going to come for me, you know, for what it was. It was my first time. I wasn't, I was probably a bit slower than I am now. Um, but it was just the experience. And yeah, if, if you, if you have anybody ever gets the chance to go and do one of these sort of foreign races, then uh, it's definitely the thing to do. I mean, like, I get that. One of my biggest problems, and a lot of people know this, is I really don't like flying. Um, yeah. I do it when I have to, and I'll be honest, the last flight I'd done, I felt a lot better. Like, I've been to Florida twice. Yeah. I do it when I have to, but sometimes it, my brain fights, like, do you really want to go and do that and fly? Like, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, I do. So, I mean, I went to Sweden to watch ice hockey last October, and, like, the October before, sorry, and it the flight was like fine it wasn't too bad and i think actually what helped me get over my flight stuff is when we came into land in sweden we had an aborted landing and went up at like what felt like ver- vertical so i was like eh, well i suppose that's probably one of the scariest things that could happen to me it felt terrifying so 
I just yeah. it's not the actual flight itself it's the build up to the flight in a couple of weeks before and that I get dead stressed just I think it's just I don't fly one of those things you don't do often some people love it my kids love it my, like my wife and I love it I hide my fear of flying from my kids and never let them see it because I don't want them to inherit it yeah. so I inherited it from my dad my dad's only ever flown once in his life and I knew he was scared of flying and I think that's where I inherited it so I'm trying not to do that I'm trying to just just remember that you have to live your life you want to do good things you've got to go and fly get places just do it the well the here's the thing if you do want to do the Warsaw one and you you want to avoid flying? I'll let you know now. It's, it's a twenty-hour drive. Twenty. Oh, I mean, I the the Euros that were was it Valladolid in Spain. Valladolid. I yeah. looked at driving that, and it was like eighteen hours or something. And me and my dad were like, well, "We could do that." And then I was like, "Do you know what? See, if, when I think about my driving, like torching that, and I think even that's bad enough. Yeah. Then I'm just like, I'd just rather get on the plane for the couple of hours, eh?" Yeah, it gets to that point. I actually know. I'd rather get on the plane. Yeah, I mean, when we did the Euros in Italy a couple of years ago in Pinerolo, yeah, uh, you had people, the halls drove down there. Oh, I know. Alex, I know. That, I mean, that's only a thirteen and a half. 13, I, did, I, I had, a, I had a school friend that used to go to Italy with his parents and drive there every year, and then you're adding on like another ten hours for him. Like that's just insane. Yeah, yeah. nah, like. I'd, take, I'd be taking like three or four days to drive that and just camping over somewhere every every I night. I think I'm getting better with the flying because I mean I used to always have to take like a diazepam to fly to keep me calm. But when I went to Sweden for the first time ever, I just downed a pint in the pub in the in the airport before I flew and felt okay. So yeah. I thought maybe I'll maybe I'm getting better. But I didn't feel too bad about it. Usually I'd feel terrible, but. Yeah, maybe it's moving forward, and then next year or whenever this is up, we'll get to go somewhere, do some racing. Yeah, be good. So, what's your furthest journey in the UK then for for nationals? Torch. Torch. Always it. torch. And how, how many hours is that? Seven. Seven hour drive. Wow. Six 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 forty five seven. It's four hundred and forty two miles or something like that. It's pretty ridiculous. That's a long way, mate. Uh, it's not the drive down that's the bad one, mate. It's when you've been up from six in the morning to go to the track and then know you've still got to drive home at half six at night. Yeah. That's yeah. like, that is brutal. I know Duncan stayed over last time to the next day, but I'm just, I just want to get up the road. Like, yeah. get back to if work. You need yeah. to stop, if you need to stop for a sleep, you need to stop for a sleep. Get to work the following morning. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> take, take the Friday, Monday off. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah, no, don't get me wrong. I love the, like, I love racing at Torch and that, so. You just do the drive, and the weather's always cracking. Like every time I've been at Torch, it's been like thirty degrees. Yeah. Can't knock it. It's, it's got just the only one I've avoided is Eden Park purely because that drive can turn into about twelve hours, depending on traffic. Isn't that the one everyone got stuck at last? Yeah, last yeah, my, yeah mate, last my mate year, was David Scott, who is another two hours north of me because he's Aberdeen. I believe he took something like. 18 or 20 hours to get home. Yeah. Something ludicrous. It was nine hours for me from the Midlands. Yeah. What was the he... crash was the Chris? No, it was just roadworks, M25. Uh, yeah. What's the tunnel? Is it like the Darford Tunnel or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah I believe Darford it was. Tunnel. I think it was just mental. And I remember him yeah. telling me. And was it not rained off or something part of it? Like, was yeah, that near oh. enough. It was great though. But <laughs> yeah, it, it was that bad. The sat nav directed me 
back through London town, <laughs> like London city centre, to get home. It was that much. It was quicker. Um, yeah, it was. I'd uh, heard horror stories of Torch before. I think it was Alex Springer that told me that Torch is sixty minutes from his house, and it took him nine hours one time to get there. Jeez. And I was just like, yeah, that does not sound fun when you're already stuck in a car for long enough coming up the road. That's not for me. So nah, it was. Um, yeah, the the Eden Park one was bad last night. The one that's the one that I hate the most. Um, although I do enjoy the track, is getting to Borton. I was just about to say to you, the only other brutal drive I do is is Borton. It's once you come off the A1 onto the A19, that road is just so busy. I think it took me longer to get there than it did take, than it took me to get to Torch. So. Yeah, I think it's just a fact as well for me. It's like. Christ, just pick a straight road, man. It's like everything you're going down is these undulating dingy roads. It's just like, I just want a nice, easy drive on my way home after two days of racing. Don't imagine the first 32 miles of the drive I do to any national is like it's just all these little back roads through villages and like because it's a shortcut to get across the main motorway. So all of my drives end up with some of that in them. Like, yeah, crazy. Yeah. So I bet you. So you're always probably coming down M6, aren't you? For so months? majority of the time M6, and then cut, if I need to get to the A1, I can cut across. But I'm in a location where I can get to the sort of A1 side from the start as well. It's kind of fifty-fifty for me. The important question is though, on your way back, and nobody else is going to get this, and you might not. Do you stop at T Bay? T Bay, uh, yes and no. Sometimes, uh, yeah, I have done best service station in the country last time I stopped at T-Bay uh, I think so my mum my mum broke down outside T-Bay and I had to wait and like I found a brand new Samsung mobile phone in the grass beside me <laughs> it's like someday I'd it, and then I, think I actually got it back to the owner they put it on the car roof before they left the services eh? <laughs> no way <laughs> <laughs> yeah. T-Bay yeah. awesome place so, so the other thing we normally ask then, Alan, is, and obviously you've had a few, cause all the different teams and that, if you could have one, you know when lockdown ends, uh-huh. any car that you've ever had in your history and any car, any track that you've ever been to or wanted to go to or thinking, where are you heading? Like, Fantasy yeah. RC race, what car, what track? Let me think, Fantasy RC race. There's so many good tracks, eh? Like, when you look at them across the world, like, oh, man. Maybe Chico, Silver Dollar. Yeah, I like that track. I just, I just loved the worlds that were there in twenty thirteen. Yeah. Car wise, I don't know because I've not had a lot of buggies. It doesn't have really... to be a buggy; it can be anything. That's true. That's true. One of my favourite off road that I've never owned is the Tommy Intruder. Ah, yeah. so nobody's ever said that one before. That's one of my favourite. I think it's so cool because you associate Tommy with like toys, eh? Yeah. So when you see a proper off-road car, that's like like my mate Stevie's got a collection of cars, and he's got like a fully hopped up, blinged up Tommy, and it is just the coolest thing, like just the coolest car going. He's he's just been amassing this really good collection. Uh, honestly, you should get. You should get him on and get him just to talk. He could fill your show with his collection. It's brilliant. 
He's just recently acquired Lee Martin's um, Las Vegas World's Mugen. No way. How do you um, find a car like that? <laughs> so, well, I, I put up, like, he, I put him in touch with Lee and he just bought it direct from Lee. Yeah. So, oh, there you go. He just wanted it signed and everything. And it's like, was, I've seen it. It just looks awesome. I was going to say, how does he know it was definitely that? But I suppose if he's bought it off Lee. Yeah. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. it's got like the, the pro painted one off body with like the gambling chips and that on it. And yeah, they probably have the chassis classic, stickers on it. And it's stuff, got the same it? dirt on it as it came off the final. <laughs> it looks awesome though. Have you, awesome. have you got kept any old cars, vintage car, anything like that from, from so his, history? So I haven't. I, I always just basically sold mine on. I, I'm still speaking to the boy that has the first buggy I ever raced at a Euros. Yeah. I'm trying to get that back off him because it's actually never turned a wheel since I sold him it. Yeah. So I'm trying to get that back off him, but I haven't kept many. The only thing I've done recently is I have managed to get my hands on a brand new TC3 kit. Oh, okay. Oh, you um, and I built that, and I built it exactly as I had it when I raced. So it's got like an LRP V7.1 in it, the old yeah. KR, uh, KR29740 megahertz. It's got a Paradox Pro 27 turn motor in it from when we raced. And it's got the exact same springs, everything on it as I raced. But do you know what was weird building this car? What's that? I was building it, and I'm like, that's not part of a TC3. And then I realized, and I started looking, as it got to end the line and they ran out of parts, they just replaced them with TC4 parts. <laughs> but they were they still they, they were bits that fitted, and I'm like, well, now I've got a brand new part of a car that I need to get rid of. <laughs> I'm like, so I'm like looking for the authentic part. So yeah, I've got I got that, and the only thing I'd kept I'd kept my TC3 shell from yeah. when I raced. So it's it's on it, and I bought an old 27 megahertz Bionic Gold Futaba transmitter. So, that's in its pride of place. I just, I was so happy to get my hands on a brand new kit. So, did you buy all those, like the speedo and the servo individually? Did you just go out searching for them? Just went out searching. My dad still had my servo yeah. in his attic, and I managed to track down the ESC. A broken one that didn't function. Well, it doesn't matter to me. It's not going to ever yeah. drive anywhere. Uh, so, yeah, I just went and sourced all of that stuff. The only thing I've not got for it yet is batteries because I've not found any that. I have used when yeah. I was racing, so I'm just waiting for the big uh, set. Oh, oh, what what else has your dad got in his loft? Probably loads. Need to have a look. <laughs> He's selling it on Not myself. You know. Prices are going crazy, buddy. Did you not see that car that was going for three grand the other yes, day on eBay? I did. Yes, it was the twelve was scale, that? wasn't it? Twelve yeah. scale, um, twelve scale on road. I was like, wow, like three grand. Like that is. Was it? Was it not? Was it an associated or was it Yoko yeah. or something? Like that? I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, there's been a couple of them on there, you know. Pe- you know, predators are pulling well, crazy the money. Predators and... are going for predators are going for like yeah. just below a grand at the moment. Yeah, we started that yeah. this podcast. <laughs> well, Stevie Sheridan, my mate, he sold. He bought that Tommy Intruder, right? Yeah. And then he, he sold it, and the person he sold it did hopped it up a bit, and I was like, why did you sell that? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, that's my favourite car in your collection, and I'm like. I'm like, if you die, I want that car. So, like, can you please get it back? So he bought it back. <laughs> it's back in his collection. Yeah. Um, the only thing that kills me about the Predator, I don't know if anybody else in what will have seen it, Nico have done a Predator. And, and it, yeah, it just pisses all over the memory. Right. It's this it's such cheap, a cool car as well, isn't it? plasticky, crappy, monster trucky thing. It's, oh, for the God's Predator sake. is just an awesome car. Yeah. Like, I remember when I first started off-road, there was a guy racing one up here, and it was just 
it's just so cool. Just such a cool looking car. Like just something so like different and innovative about it. Eh? Just I think it was just that what what really did it for me when I saw it. I never had. I wasn't lucky enough to have one. Um, I think it was just that front wing. Just cool. like yeah, it was just like a proper cool car. The thing I always like sticks out to me is the length of the servo link. Yeah. Just a big metal bar inside the car. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was like for anybody that doesn't know, it was longer than the. Uh... Almost as long as the drive shaft. Oh, it was, <laughs> it, it, just insane! Like it's such a cool car, though. Yes, such it was. A, a really, really smart car. I think the way the the way Lee's car came about the Las Vegas thing was, I had put Stevie in touch with Lee because one of Lee's first cars was a Schumacher two thousand Cat two thousand DC. Yeah. And Stevie had one. And I said, Stevie, would you be interested in selling it? Lee's looking for one, and he's like, Yeah, put me in touch with him. And then because I signed for a Gamma and Stevie was getting an eighth, he kind of just was like, Lee was like, come on board, we'll get you sorted to the eighth as well. So, yeah, we're all kind of just getting on with that now. So, you'll meet Stevie. I don't think you've ever met him, but you'll know, more likely meet him at some point because he travels everywhere with me now. Any oh. meeting I go to, he comes and races as well. He's, oh, is he not like, he's, he races, he's not just your pit bitch. No, he races. He races. Actually, he was at Brunton-Thorpe. He was there. He was at that GP. Yeah, he was at that one. So now I'll introduce you. Next meeting is that, and we're all together. I was too. I was too busy. Brunton thought I was too busy hiding from the results sheet. Uh, it's so it was you, tough. Has your dad been relegated to the back seat now? Then <laughs> my dad just kind of stopped going to the racing. Like my dad finds watching racing quite boring at times. Yeah. Like he likes because he's raced most of his life. Like my dad still races club and regional. Yeah. So. But he did say that he quite fancies coming to watch 8-scale because he, he loved racing Nitro. Yeah. And because he can pit, he's got more involvement. Oh, of course, yeah, he's got a job, yeah, yeah. have a job there. So I think he's going to start travelling a bit for that as well. My dad came down to... My dad's been down to certain meetings. My dad's come down to, like, the, the Euros and my mum... My mum's always been heavily involved in... My mum and dad aren't together, by the way. They've not been together since I was, like, 10 years old. But my yeah. mum was always heavily involved in the RC because she ran race control um, at a lot of the clubs that I raced at. So yeah. my mum still likes to come across and watch me race when she can because my mum lives in Wales. So I plan to race at Cobras sometime as well because they've got that Cardiff club. Yeah. Yeah. So I plan to go and stay with my mum at some point and race there as well. It's good there. It's, it's, it's a cracking club on a Sunday, that is. Um, and also as well, if you go in there, there's, you can make a weekend of it. You've got to do Cal- Caldicott on the Friday. Yeah, yeah, I could. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. I'd go down and see my mum for like four or five days, take the take the yeah. grandkids down for a yeah, see, yeah. and then I'll Caldicott is class on a Friday night, mate. Yeah, that, that would be good. Let me know, I'll, I'll come. I'll come. <laughs> Let me know if you're going, I'll come. I, I would. I would. <laughs> no, I'd say I would go down there at some point, so definitely, definitely yeah. up for that. Cool. Right, we've been going for um, over an hour now, so I will look at letting you go. But uh, Chris, you got any last questions before we do? Uh, no, nah, mate, I'm spent. Sorted. Al, I'm spent. Thanks for your time tonight, mate. It's, it's, I felt like we could carry on and on and on. Oh, no um, problem. But, well, sorry I missed last time due to being ill. Apologies nah, for that. Right, I had mate, no voice whatsoever. I, I said to Chris, actually, when when when, uh, when, you, when it didn't happen last time, I said, it's not a problem. I said, because we can just make a full show of you and get you on, get you on you know, uh, 
as your own entity sort of thing yeah so no, no, I appreciate it before we let you go do you want to say um, thank you to anyone friends, family sponsors yeah just, just my sponsors wife. yeah, yeah. My, my wife is very very good to me it lets me go racing all the time without moaning at me but yeah my sponsors Schumacher LRP Nemo Racing and just basically everybody else that helps me out Stevie as well practically like a sponsor helps me with everything so yeah thanks to all my sponsors it's much appreciated. Brilliant. Thanks for coming on, Al. We'll, uh, we'll look at getting you on um, autumn time, I would think, for for a return for 2021. Absolutely, mate. Hopefully we can all be up soon. Cool. All right, but... And he's actually gone. Hung up halfway through saying bye, I think, mate. Uh, must have obviously been fed up with us. Yeah, fed up with you. Well... So- no. Probably. <laughs> how you been, mate? You been so? What you been up to? How's, uh, how, how's the lockdown camper bill coming? Oh, I got some more done. Yeah, cracked on. I know. Went and had another window put in, so I got three now. Um, and built the subfloor, finished off some of the insulation. Yeah. And then, uh, just waiting on the the vapor barrier stuff to come now, and I can crack on with gluing that to the wall and you got to get the then these boarding next and then you can start putting furniture in yeah yeah pretty yeah. much well boarding boarding then build the bed so i know where the bed's got to come up to um then the shower because the shower's got to go in first because of getting all the drainage and everything sorted yeah and then uh yeah, yeah. Then start building the furniture. So where's the bed going to be? Like at the back, high up, so you've got storage underneath. Yeah, yeah. At yeah. The back, it like, runs a mo- like a motocross van. Sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 similar. Yeah. Cool, yeah, man. Get cool. Brackets that all the brackets sort of fit in there, and they're steel, and you bolt them to the bulkhead rather than just have them. Yeah. Randomly um, floating around. So you're cracking on with it then? Yeah, cracking on with it. Might Don't... have to go back to work for a couple of days, but you know. Yeah, life is good. Yeah. yeah, I've had um, an interesting week with this Tamiya truck, which I'm still building. You're still fighting with a Tamiya. I've spent too much time with the Danks, man. Um, now, I mean, I've, I've built, I've built the car, I've got the electrics in it. Um, I'm yet to wire the motor to the um, speaking trailer and stuff like that. So I need to change the plug on the ESC, and I just, I just haven't done it basically. I've, I've been concentrating on on getting the body done as well. I've, I've painted all of that. Painted it up in Bruce's colours. Um, that means uh, he's driving it then, not oh you. Oh yeah, it's his truck, mate. It's his truck. Yeah. Um, and then, but I've been trying to put, trying to put the stickers on. It's just so time consuming, and they're not laser cut, so you got to cut each one out. You know. Um, oh yeah. And the sticker sheets not in order. He's been placed so they can get every sticker on there. So yeah. like you're cutting one out at the top and then cutting one out down the bottom, and you know it's um, it's a lot of work. I can't wait to build mine. <laughs> well, just don't so, bother with the stickers. Yeah, yeah. I want to look, you know, you know, box arty. You know, it's, it's like a it's box art cut, um, scheme, oh, but in his colours. I've never really you been know. a big fan of having my cars box arty. Well, no, nor me. Um, but you know, it's, look, the, the, the stickers that come in, it makes it look like a racing truck as opposed to just a lorry. You know, that's why I'm putting well, stickers on for. You ask uh, Ash Patterson 
our big Ralph drives any lorry and it's a racing lorry. You know, it's really funny. Every because I'm out on the road a lot with work at the moment. Every time I'm seeing um, a Stan Robinson wagon, I'm looking to see if it's Ralph, see if I can wave. And I've ever seen like ten or fifteen of these around. Are you fat? Are you, you know, fat? And I'm, I haven't seen Ralph them yet. Now, are you? No, but it was quite funny once. I was when I was, when I was working at CML, I drove down the motorway once and I saw a Stan Robinson truck and I looked and it was Ralph. So we had a bit of a wave and I had to cut him up to get off the junction. Um, and then yeah and then we asked then I had a bit of a laugh about saying sorry I cut him up and he was like you know you're the one that should have been worried mate (laughs) having a truck (laughs) I'm pretty sure your car versus his lorry you were dud yeah so yeah all's good so yeah so I'm just I'm just working on that mate it's don't get me wrong it's really really enjoyable but it's it's so time consuming you know know, I'll build a B60 like you know probably four hours five hours you know a lot um, over a couple of nights and so this thing I've been you know I've been doing a couple of hours a night just messing about with it <laughs> taking your time on it yeah yeah it always gives you something to do there's nothing else to do is there yeah. Yeah. and there's no money for any more kits till next month so could, you could always buy a van and start converting that yeah, <laughs> yeah there's no that'll budget keep, keep mate there's no budget there's no budget for that <laughs> <laughs> mate there's no budget in mine anymore <laughs> Christ, yeah. when you look at when you look at buying the solar if, stuff, if, your if wallet. If there's anyone out there who runs a, a camper restoration um, thing, and you would like to sponsor the GT Podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. race van, <laughs> yeah. when, say, Chris. When, when we say sponsor, we mean donate solar equipment for free. <laughs> <laughs> Brill. It's about a grand a pop. It's so expensive, man. So yes, yeah, yeah. so that's me. So I've, I've actually joking aside, I've ordered myself one of these trucks for next payday. Um, nice. But Another want... thing Chris can beat you at then? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we can race in the street then, can't we? So, mind you, the lockdown will probably open, all the tracks will be up and running by the time I'll get this second one finished. Yeah. <laughs> well, at the rate you're going, mate, it will. Yeah. That. You know what? It's a, I feel I can go, no, I don't mean to. It's, 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 a, it's a nice build. Everything went together. There was no issues, you know. The, yeah. uh, it's just a you know, nice little car, you know. Good yeah, value, good fun, value for money, really. With, good yeah. value for money, what you get, you know. You get an elect, oh, yeah, the electronic speed controller you get, yeah. Um, it'll run brushed or brushless. Yeah, Sensor, yeah. It's got a sensor port in it and everything. And don't get yeah. me wrong, I'm not oh, expecting it's going to. They've got a sensor port. I'm not expecting it's going to hold a six-turn motor, but. You know, for that to come in the kit. Yeah, to be fair, mate, the speedo in that doesn't need to hold a six-turn motor because the gearbox ain't going to hold a well, six-turn motor. Exactly, you know. But, yeah, well, I don't know. They didn't have to do that. You know what I mean? They could have just put oh, a standard Obi Wing 420-amp speedo in there and, you know, put a Tammy sticker on it. But, you know, it's a proper brushless ESC that comes, you know, with comes in a kit. It's pretty... Oh, I feel like I'm going on. So, yeah. Anyway, mate... Um, I think we've done all right time watch tonight. So, do you want to look at thanking the sponsors? Well, first we've got to mention anybody that still wants to sign up for the RC. We have indeed. GTRC Sorry, yes. Formula One Fantasy League. Yeah, even um, I, even I've made an account. I know you so, have. I was. It only took three days of me it, moaning it, it at you. It did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it only took me three days of moaning at you. And, and um, I, you know, I put my email email address in and all that stuff, and I haven't been hacked, so I'm, yeah. we're all right. Um. Yeah, so there's that. There was oh t-shirts. I picked them up yesterday, packed them today, and we'll be posting them out tomorrow. Yeah, I did see your modelling shots on uh, the internet. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's hardly catwalk, but yeah. you know you ain't paying me, so there you go. Um, and 
Oh, so yeah. Post, yes, so post, if you get a T-shirt, post a picture of yourself on the group. Yeah, with so it. if you get a T-shirt, <laughs> post yourself up there. Let's see your modelling shots. Yeah. And what was the other one? Oh, we need to say... Uh, also, we do need to say thank you to our uh, long-term friend and sponsor, Freddie Russell, who, after we talked to Will about the blue take one... Camber block. Mount, uh, toe block, yeah, Mount, yeah. Freddie and Will have got together, doing a little collaboration. Um, you can now get blue take one camber blocks yeah. with the FF Racing logo on them. And... I am for guaranteed first on the pre-orders list. It's such a big deal, mate. Right, superstar now, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. You know? um, well, because you know, I said to on the, on the show when we spoke to Will um, from Will Speed that I should really try one of these blocks, you know. Um, he's like, yeah, 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 I'm getting a new batch sorting, whatever. One of their team drivers, Jordan Coleman, messaged me. He says, I've got one of them blocks. You can have it. Um she's got to go on Bruce's car <laughs> I'm like what <laughs> see mate that's it you're doing all this work yeah and you're always just going to be outshadowed by Bruce that's it so at least um, at least Freddie's um, offered us one so thanks Freddie appreciate it yeah so we'll get the uh, we'll we'll have the first opportunity to buy one of them yeah so. I did actually share a link to that on the um, the Facebook page if anyone, uh, if anyone wants to have a look at it um, you can get you can you can find it on there uh, right, mate. But yeah, yeah. Sweet. So it's thanking the sponsors. Uh, that's CML Distribution over in uh, the heart of the Midlands. Uh, keep it up, guys. And Schumacher Racing. Thanks for all the support. Couldn't do it without you guys as well. Perfect, mate. Perfect, guys. Thank you very much for liking and sharing. Thanks for getting involved with what we do. We really appreciate it. I think we had. We had Nathan, when we had Nathan on last week, he had like 40 shares off the Facebook page, which is you know blowing our mind. Thanks very much. We really you know stick around. Yeah, you know, there's some interesting guests coming on. Same as I said last week, if you know of anyone interesting and you want us to try and get them, you think they'd be good on the podcast, or just want to talk about racing, let us know and we'll, we'll do our best to get them on for you. That's it. Don't forget to like and share. Don't forget to like and share. And for our time's sake, don't forget to like and share. And we'll put you in for the prize draw at Christmas. Everyone that shares the podcast gets in the prize draw for Christmas. I think that's me done, Chris. Yeah, I'm done as well, mate. So you have a good week. Yeah, I'll see you next week, dude. Yeah, I have a good week.